about it. It's already getting better. I can see God changing something in somebody's life. Look at somebody says, already working. It is already working. Give God a hand of praise for the choir. Bless you. As you remain standing for the reading of God's holy word, as we continue the series of messages that God has given us since the beginning of this year, the series as well as the theme for this church is a time of harvest. This is the first series of this year of 2018, and this is the seventh of ten messages that God has given us for this series. This message is found in the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 8, and verse 22, the New International Version. Allow me also to say a very special happy birthday to Mother Alberta Simmons, 92 years young, looking good, coming to church. For every young person who doesn't feel like coming to church because you feel like you may be one day catching something, you've got to stand in the judgment against folk like that, that 92 years old pressed their way to church on a walker, giving God the praise. Amen, somebody? Give God a hand of praise for this awesome woman of God. The book of Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, the New International Version is the translation that we've chosen for today's message. And it reads, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And those that love God's word said amen. amen. Subject for today's message, the seventh message of this series, is lifted directly from the text. Look at someone and say, seed time and harvest. That seed time and harvest. Put those hands together as you take your seed. Seed time and harvest. Note the order. You'll catch it later in the message. Text did not say harvest, then seed time. Somebody just caught it. Seed time and harvest. Listen, it has been said uh, that as people of faith, perhaps one of our most common prayer requests is that the Lord would one day bless us to prosper in all that we do. That is a prayer request that I am sure all of us have at some point in our life prayed that the Lord will bless my family to prosper, bless your finances to prosper, bless us on our jobs, bless our health. For to the critics who are often here speaking negatively about those of us who believe that we serve a God of prosperity. And I understand that some people have taken this to the extreme 
for their own self-benefit, particularly some of the preachers for hire. They, they, they preach it so that you can bless them. But despite that, I still believe that we serve a God of prosperity. I have yet to hear anyone who did not themselves want to prosper in their own lives. I haven't met anyone yet who pray for bad health, who pray for worse finances. Can I preach? I haven't heard anyone else says, please make my family crazier. <laughs> if you know that person, then I suggest to you that they are not all there. Amen. Because everybody wants to prosper. I don't care who you are. You want things to go good in your life. Now, while it is important to pray that the Lord allows us to prosper, it is also important to know that godly prosperity, somebody say godly prosperity. I'm not talking about secular prosperity. I'm, I'm not talking about having more Facebook friends than anybody else. I'm not talking about you being legends in your own mind and other folk patting you on your back and you thank you all of that. I'm talking about godly prosperity. Involves the principle of seed time and harvest or reaping and sowing. Godly prosperity, you're going to be blessed the way God wants you to be blessed. And there is a spiritual principle that applies to your future blessings. And it is seed time and harvest, reaping and sowing. We should remember that seed time will always, somebody say always, precede the harvest. As I said to you earlier, note the order. Uh, and in order to reap a harvest, we must first plant a seed. Look at somebody and say, don't get twisted. You don't harvest before you plant. Amen. It, it's always, the harvest always is preceded by seed time, sowing, planting. However, unfortunately, there are too many people today living in a society of those today who want to reap a harvest without first planting a seed. Whole lot of folk want fresh vegetables, but don't want a garden. Amen. And so, you, I said to the church this morning, and you've heard me say it over and over again, you can look out of your backyard all you want. You can touch and agree and even anoint the ground. You can walk on the ground, spin around seven times, claim the name of Jesus, and he come my she, her come my buck. But no collard greens come up unless collard green seeds go down. Am I right about it? Look at somebody and say, there is a process to your harvest. 
The harvest must always begin with a seed in the ground. <laughs> You've got to plant before you reap. You've got to sow the seed before you gather the harvest. Listen, the most knowledgeable farmer in the world can have the best equipment available to man and can be on the most fertile ground ever with the greatest weather they have ever experienced. But without a seed in the ground, all you have is good equipment on good ground under good weather, but no harvest. I'm preaching hard to somebody. God wants you to understand this, that it is a process that involves first planting something, putting something there. It always amazes me how unfriendly people expect friends. I, maybe I'm just not smart. I never thought it was that difficult to understand. Somebody said, I don't understand. I don't have many friends. Nobody seemed to want to hang out with me. You are grumpy. You're fussy. You're negative. You're a gossiper. Amen. You must first show yourself to be friendly. It amazes me how unlovable people that don't love anybody want everybody to love them. Can I preach? You know folk like that. It amazes me how those who don't help anybody selfishly look out for their own interests. And they get upset when nobody looks out for them. Please help me tell somebody you reap what you sow. Am I right about it? And so the reason nobody comes to comfort you is because you don't comfort anybody. Reason why you have no friends is because you have not first proven yourself to be friendly. You can't sow negativity all your life and expect God to bless you with something opposite of that what you put in the ground. If you plant corn seed, do not expect okra. Amen. You expect to reap what you sow. I want to help you this morning. And God said to those of you that are looking for the Lord to be right there by your side every time you turn around and why is it that my children are not uh, adhering to the gospel and not, well, did you ever pray with them? Or have you allowed TV and video games to raise your family? Have you ever stressed the importance of the Bible? Have you ever taught one Bible verse? Do they even know Jesus well? But they know every outfit and move Beyonce makes and 
and they know who's that and who's on top and who, who is the leading person in this and that. But yet there's nothing else in. So you reap what you sow. If you sow to the carnal mind, I'm going to preach that one of these sermons, sermon number nine, that's what you reap. So no wonder when your back is against the wall, you have nothing to rely on. Because you've not implanted anything in your life that looks like faith. But to the faith walkers, to those who know how to pray your way out of a situation, to those who know how to call on the name of the Lord before you get in trouble, to those who worship God all the time, God say, I'll be right there by your side. I will reward your labor of love. Don't make any mistake about it. God knows what you're going through. And God knows how faithful you are. And when other folk get mad when you get blessed, where were they when you were on your knees calling on the name of the Lord? Where were they when you were in church on a Tuesday night? And they were a little too tired to come for one hour. There is... A relational thing here between what you do and what you reap. Whew. Let me tell you, that most knowledgeable farmer with the best equipment under the best weather, but without a seed in the ground, they will harvest nothing. And God is saying to us that we've got to understand that there's a process that will lead to what God is going to do in your life. I'm here not because I need anything from you, but I want you to be blessed. This is nothing more than God say. It, it is the process. Uh, it is something when you put it out, you'll see it again. The old folk used to say, cast your bread on the water. How many of you know that if you do right? I love the old church. Bradley used to say, if you live right, Y'all don't know any songs like that. All of us got the most popular in the rock songs in the beat. But the old folk used to get up with nothing but a tamarind and a testimony service. And the old mother would get up and say, if you live right, somebody would say, heaven belongs to you. But if you don't live right, what can you expect? You live a life with hellhounds. You expect to reap the dividends of hell. But if you live a life that is faithful to the Lord, you know how to call on the name of the Lord King Hezekiah. Turn his face to the wall and say, Lord, let me remind you of our relationship. There ought to be something about your life that you can remind God of how faithful you have been. To the Lord, can I preach this? Ooh, in the sacred text, we've chosen for this message today. Let us see what it says to us about this powerful principle of seed time and harvest. The text occurs at a very significant time in the development of the earth. It occurs right after that great flood that is recorded in Genesis chapter 6. That the Lord destroyed the earth during the time of Noah. The whole earth was destroyed. Only those and that which was on the ark 
survive. Earth was covered with water. Everything demolished. Everything wiped away because God was not pleased with how men, mankind, humanity was responding to the will of God. So after the flood, God enters into what biblical theologians of the Old Testament refers to as a Noahic covenant relationship. This is an agreement between God and Noah. Noah was responsible uh, for jump-starting everything on earth again. So God enters into a covenant relationship with Noah in which he first promises never to destroy the earth with water again. And folk would tell you the rainbow that we see today represents God's promise to Noah that the earth would not be totally destroyed with water again. But then he goes on and tell Noah, but there will be seasons on earth. There will be distinctions throughout the earth. And he tells him that there will be, and I'll start even from the rear, there will be day and night and hot and cold and winter and summer. But the first thing he says, even before getting to all of that, is that there will be seed and harvest. Nor if the earth is going to be replenished, if the earth is going to regrow again, then it must go through a process. In other words, it has to be a process that involves planting and reaping seed time and harvest. I will bless the earth, but there must first be seeds in the earth. Then there will be a harvest. In other words, God says, I have set the order. I have established the process. Please help me tell somebody you can't change the order. I, I know some of your prayers are, God bless me, then I'll show you how faithful I can be. And God said, no, you've got that twisted, my brother and sister. You show me how faithful you are, and I'll show you how I can bless you. Is there anybody in here that's prepared to walk with the Lord even before you see the blessings of the Lord? Anybody prepared to give God your best, uh, to be nice, to love everybody, to sow your seeds, to pay your tithe and offering, uh, to treat everybody with dignity and humanity, and then watch God bless your life? Can I preach? Covered in an agreement with Noah assures us that regardless of what happens in life, that there will always be a season of harvest. Uh, God says there will always be something to harvest, but it must first be preceded by a season of sowing. Yes, when we sow the seeds of faithfulness, I'm going somewhere, somebody say faithfulness, we will one day reap a harvest of blessings. God wanted you to know that when you put it out, you'll see it again. Encourage somebody and say, when you put it out, you'll see it again. Don't get weary in well-doing. Hold your head up high and dry your tears and weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I need to encourage somebody that's 
sowed your seeds of faithfulness. God said, I will turn it around. Can I preach? Listen, listen. Hold on for a minute, brother musician. I want you to hear this. There are three key biblical examples that God says demonstrates the process of seed time and harvest. I want to share them with you. The first is a young lady by the name of Ruth. Somebody say Ruth. To, to every, every beautiful, anointed young woman in here, look at somebody and say, today you're Ruth. Okay. Uh, to everybody in here that's looking for something, God says, today you've got to be Ruth. Ruth is a great biblical example of what God is talking about. Ruth sowed seeds of faithfulness into somebody else's life to help somebody else with their problem. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, Ruth was selfless. Ruth was loving and caring. Ruth, although she had her own problems, her husband too was dead, but she did not concentrate on what was going wrong in her life. I need somebody to look at somebody and say, you can be Ruth today. Ruth did not bombard God with her own prayer request. In fact, I can't find a request in the book of Ruth that was from Ruth. Nowhere, note this to every young woman out there, Nowhere in the Bible did Ruth pray for a mate. Ruth didn't hook up on Tinder. Ruth didn't hook up on soulmate.com. I'm preaching to somebody. Ruth didn't need somebody to hook them up because Ruth's concentration was not her own situation. But she had already made a commitment that your people, Naomi, will be my people and your God will be my God. When you are committed to God, may I show you a scripture? I hope you can help me upstairs. The third chapter and the tenth verse of the book of Ruth, the New International Version. I need to show this to everybody, in, anybody in here. I don't even raise your hands, but if you're single and you don't mind companionship, I don't want you to see you're looking because folk may try to hook up with you at the church. <laughs> Tell them I didn't come here for that. <laughs> we, you don't come to church to hook up. Amen. Can I take my time? That's why I didn't want the organist to push me too much. I want to preach this. Boaz, notice nappy head, dirty fingernail, hand in the dirt, picking the leftovers. Notice where I'm going. Ruth didn't have time for the pedicure and the manicure. Couldn't afford to put a little extra in her hand. <laughs> Let me preach to this group right here because I, I know y'all ain't mad at me because all y'all got on hats and y'all know you. Ruth, Ruth, 
wasn't concerned about Ruth, but she made it her goal to do what the Lord wanted her to do. Boaz took notice of Ruth before she cleaned up. I'm going to help some of you save some money. Look at somebody and say, you don't need all of that. What God has for you, baby, if they don't like what God gave you, tell them to find somebody else with it. Boaz says to Ruth, the Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. And this is the part I want to get to. Lord, have mercy. I, can I get to this? Somebody say, please, y'all pray for the pastor today, okay? I may be looking for a church after this Sunday. You have not... You have not... Somebody shout, run after! You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Ooh, put verse number 11 on the screen. Let me just say the first. You have not done that, whether rich or poor. And then the Lord says something. That's okay. The Lord says to Ruth, look, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you. Somebody with the Holy Ghost shall seed in the ground. I will do for you all you ask. And all my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman. of noble character. Boaz looked for character. Anything else that concerns more about your figure than your character, you don't need him anyhow. Chapter, Ruth chapter four, help me upstairs. Verse 13, somebody shout, but God. Woo, look at God. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Somebody shout, seed in the ground. When you sow seeds of faithfulness, God's got a Boaz waiting for you. God's got somebody designed just for you who happened to be the most eligible bachelor in town, the richest man in the land. You don't have to settle for junk when you've got your seed in the ground. deal with this Simone Tuesday night 
Example number two. Do I have time to preach this? If Ruth was an example for all the young women, then David ought to be an example for all the young men. David sowed seeds of faithfulness by doing the job nobody else wanted to do. He had the menial task of tending to his father's sheep. Seven brothers older than him. He had the worst job in the family. But never once did he ever complain about being a shepherd. He knew how to take lemon and make lemonade. If David had never been a shepherd, we never would have gotten Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. But when you are faithful as a young person to what God calls you to do, and what you don't know is that your menial task is a place where God is grooming and shaping you for your future assignment. God says, I need you to do something to get ready and I'll send a bear and a lion to you because when you face Goliath, you're not afraid. But God, one day God said to Samuel, the man of God, the prophet, Samuel, that I am going to choose the next king of Israel. And I need you to go to the house of Jesse. There, Jesse has eight sons. One of those sons will be the next king of Israel. Samuel goes to the house. You've heard me preach this so many times. It is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Old Testament reference. Samuel walks in Jesse's house, and his eyes fall on tall, dark, handsome Eliab. Broad shoulders, curly hair, look good, warrior, trained to be a warrior. And even Samuel gets fooled. Samuel said, this, 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 is, this is the one. This is the one. This got to be the one. God chastises Samuel right there on the spot and says, you may be anointed, but you are not perfect. You don't know everything. I don't see as you see. You are obsessed with the outward appearance, but I'm more concerned with the heart. This man may be tall, dark, and handsome, but his heart is worthless. He's a coward, as we would later find out with Goliath. God rejects Eliab, rejects his second son and the third son. And the Bible says all seven of Jesse's sons come before Samuel, and the oil would not flow. Let me get the oil would not flow put the oil on their head, and the oil is stagnated. Ooh. I preached a message once. I was 25 years old called when the anointing is stagnated, when it's just sitting on your head and not flowing. A whole lot of you got it sitting on your head because somebody else placed it there. But when God places it there, it'll flow down. Seven sons were rejected. Whew. May I preach this? Find for us, if you will, upstairs, 1 Samuel 16th chapter, the 12th and the 13th verse. Samuel says, I know my assignment. I know what God has called me to do. 
So he looks at Jesse and says, is there anyone else? And the father says to him, there is yet one, but let me warn you, he is the youngest and he is minding the sheep. In other words, he hasn't taken a bath. He's out there with the stink sheep. If you know anything about sheep, they don't have a good odor. He, 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 he's out there in the sun. He smells like outdoors. He smells like sheep stuff. But God, can I get a witness? Unlike Ruth, David didn't have time to get all fancy. But if God be for you, Samuel said, go get him. Go get him. And so the text says in verse 12 and 13, so he sent and had David brought in. He was a ruddy lad with fine appearance, handsome features. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I like these words, rise and anoint him. And look at these words. I preached this two years ago, Elder Franklin, called He is the One. See, the one is not the one you choose, but the one that God chooses. Because if it was up to us, we wouldn't choose anybody smelling like that. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. But if God be for you, God said to David, I'm going to reward your faithfulness. Because you did a job that nobody else wants. He is the one. Verse 13 of that same text. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Don't you miss that? God will, an oh good God almighty, can I give you this? I want you to keep that verse up there. You remember this verse? In Psalms 23, Sister Eartha Jenkins, he says, And he prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoint my head oh, with oil. Not only will God anoint you, Brother Tony Green, but God will bless you in front of everybody who thinks that you can't get what God has for you. I need you to help me preach this and find somebody and say, get ready. The anointing is about to flow in your life. The only one that didn't take a bath, the only one, Brother Jeff, that weren't invited in the house. Woo! That's why it bothers me when folk get mad and say somebody is trying to hold me down. Those words don't even come out of my mouth. I wouldn't even dignify an enemy to let them think they got the power to hold me down. Because let me just serve notice on you. I want to serve notice on all the Bible way haters out there. You can't stop what God anoints. And if God gets ready to bless us, Ain't no, no devil in hell can stop. You can lie, you can cheat, you can do whatever you want. You can hate, you can slam. But when God gets ready, is there anybody know that God gets ready to bless you? Woo. You are blessed. 
in the presence of his brethren. And from that day on, woo, from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Woo, God's going to empower you to do something that only God can do. And then here's the last example for the altar call. First example was Sister Ruth, who was faithful to Naomi. David was faithful with the menial task of tending the sheep. Then Brother Caleb, somebody say Caleb. Caleb, the friend of Joshua, confidant of Moses. Caleb, a young man, went with Joshua and saw the spies in Jericho. Others said, we're not able to overcome them. We are, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. Thank God for faith walkers who says, I saw what you saw, but we're well able to do what God has called us to do. Somebody say, Caleb, in the wilderness for 40 years, five years after that, fighting to overthrow enemies out of the land. God made Caleb a promise at age 40 years old. God says, I'm going to give you the high ground. I'm going to give you the hill country. You're going to have the best land in the promised land. But you've got to wait on the Lord. You can't get discouraged when it doesn't happen right away. Can I get a witness? Then we find in our text, Joshua chapter 14. I've got to read this to you. Verses 6 to verse 13. Look what the Lord says. Now, Caleb, Moses is dead. They've survived the wilderness on the verge of getting what God promised in the promised land. But Caleb is not young any longer. He's now chipped 85 years old to every demon in your life that tells you you're too old to be blessed. Look at somebody and say, the devil is a liar. There is no age to God's blessings. God can bless the old and the young. God can give it to you when you're 21 or 81 or 91 or 92. Look at the text. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua. Let me put the setting for you. Moses is dead. Joshua is the new leader. They approached Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinsanite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me, Joshua. Whew. Sometimes you got to remind folk, I got a testimony behind this blessing. Whew, I got to get up out of here, but I got to read this scripture. Verse number seven, Caleb said, I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, 
followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Good God Almighty. In other words, I was faithful when they were fearful. I walked with the Lord when they were doing their own thing. I believed God. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be for me an inheritance and that of my children forever. Because God said through Moses, Caleb, you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Somebody shout faithful. Now then, just as the Lord promised, testify, Caleb. Every person in here that's a senior citizen, this ought to be your testimony. God will keep you. God will bless you. Now, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. In other words, God kept me. Then he says, so here I am today. I'm not ashamed of my age. I know I'm not 40 anymore, but I'm 85 years old and I'm still blessed. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Somebody shout, he's a keeper. My daddy preached that one day, Chip. You remember that? He said in verse number 12, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. In other words, give me what God promised he would give me. You yourself, Joshua, heard then that the, that the Amicites and all their children and cities and all the enemies were fortified. But the Lord helping me. I will drive them out, just as he said. 45 years later, help me tell somebody he may not come when you want, but he's always on time. Caleb got the best land because he was faithful in the wilderness. He had a seed in the ground in the wilderness. You can't avoid the wilderness and expect the hill country. God says, if you're faithful in the wilderness, I'll bless you. So as you stand to your feet all over this place, here is the challenge. Just like Ruth, look at somebody and say, it's just like David, just like Caleb. Tell them, we too can one day receive a blessed harvest. Ooh, I listen to this. As long as we are willing to sow seeds of faithfulness. If you're willing to be faithful, God says, like Ruth, I'll bless you with Boaz. If you're willing to be faithful, like David, I'll elevate you to the highest position. If you're willing to be faithful, just like Caleb, I'll give you the best land no matter how long it takes. I need you to encourage somebody before you come to the altar. Look at them and say, don't get discouraged. Say, seed time and harvest. Say, God will bless you. If you've got a seed in the ground, 
if you faithfully serve God and watch God bless you. I don't know about you, but I stopped by to tell somebody as William Murphy, pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, declared through the writings of these lyrics, help me tell somebody it's working. Ooh, it's working. Anybody know what God is doing in your life? As we prepare for this altar, I invite you to leave your seat. Walk down these aisles. The song says, this is my season for grace, for favor. Ooh, who am I preaching to? I didn't want you to shout this morning. I want you to hear this. This is my season to reap what I've sown. I haven't always been perfect, but I've sure been faithful. God's got a purpose. Yes, I know that God is able. Pastor Murphy goes on to write, I've got seed in the ground that he's blessing. No more stressing. I've got seed in the ground. Now I know him. I can show him. Whew. This is the part I like. Look at somebody and say, everything is working together for my good. Look at somebody and say, it's working. It's working. It's working. This is my season. Come on, brother. Listen, listen. Come, come stand at this altar wherever you are. This is my season. For grace. If you've got seed in the ground, this is your season. This is my season to reap what I have sown. This is my season for grace, for grace, for favor. This is my season. Just wave those hands. Encourage somebody and say, it's your season. Yeah, this is your season. Haven't been perfect, but I've sure been faithful. Anybody know you've been faithful? See, God's got a purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put your hands right here on your heart. And I know he's able. I've got to see Woo! in the ground. Sing that song. That is blessing. All right, TJ. No more stressing. Woo, yeah, yeah. I've got to see yeah, yeah. in the ground. Yeah, yeah. Now I know him. Yeah. And it's showing this is my seat for great. Somebody else, leave your seat and come on, stand at the altar. God says the next 50 people that leave your seat and stand at the altar, God's going to turn it around for you. That's right. That's right. 50 people, God says, leave your seat and walk down the aisle. Look at God. That's right. That's right. Come, come. That's right. Come on. This is the seat. And always been perfect. Tell him, tell him, teacher. Listen. Haven't been perfect.
perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. But I've sure been faithful. You can be faithful without being perfect. Yeah. God's got a purpose. Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I know he's able. I've got to see Woo. in the ground that he's blessing. No more stressing. I've got to see in the ground. Wave those hands in the air. and the haters tell you there's no use for you remaining faithful you have a seed in the ground here's the challenge to someone in here right now you are this close to where you ought to be you've made that great step of coming to church for those of you that are viewing by way of the internet you've logged in question is, are you willing to take the extra step? All three of these examples were individuals who ignored what people said. Ruth ignored her background and her disposition. David ignored his inexperience and immaturity. Caleb ignored the fact that he was older than all the rest. And folk thought he was too weak to have such prime territory. But when God is for you, God can bless you in ways. Who would have thought Ruth would end up with Boaz? 
who would have imagined that the eighth and the youngest son of Jesse would end up being the greatest king in the history of Israel? Who would have believed that Caleb at age 85 years old would get his inheritance and will establish a community on high ground, on the best land? Somebody say, but God. When you plant the seed, God will reward your faithfulness. Here's the question. Have you done what you should do? Some of you now, God's challenging you to make this commitment on this day. Take that next step. Commit to something greater than yourself. If you want to reestablish your relationship with the Lord, if you like to join the church, but what is more important than joining the church is joining the kingdom of God. If you're ready to tell the Lord, I haven't always been perfect, but I am ready to be faithful. Is there anybody in here that's telling the Lord, I'm ready to be faithful? You can put the seed in the ground on this very day. Close those eyes. After we pray this prayer, at this altar, I'll be there to wait on you. To say, this is your day. This is your moment. Well, I believe that God is blessing somebody. It's going to work out for you. God's going to do what only God can do. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for this seventh message of this series. Thank you for reminding us there is a divine process. There is a process that leads to our blessings. And it must begin with a seed in the ground. Someone today is sowing a seed of faithfulness. Ooh. Someone today is ignoring what the naysayers, the critics, perhaps what even their friends think of them. And they're saying, here I am, Lord. I want to plant a seed in the ground. One day you will bless them. They will harvest blessings that only you could bless them with. There's some Boazes in somebody's future. There's some elevations like David in somebody's future. There's some high ground, <laughs> even at an older age, in somebody's future. You can do it, Lord. You can do it right now. In fact, it is already done. We declare it is already done. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. Those who know it is so said amen. Tell somebody it's working. It's working. It's working. Put your arms around somebody and say it's working. It's working. If you want to make that commitment, you want to join the church, you want to recommit your life to the Lord, you want to make, make, make that decision today. Come on. Come stand at this altar. Somebody bold enough, tell the Lord, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Somebody. Everything. Everything. Come on. Somebody else. God is blessing you right now. Walk down those aisles and tell the Lord, here I am. God is calling you right now. Somebody want to be the next Ruth. You want to be the next David. It's good. Tell somebody it's good. It's good. Anybody know it's working? 
it's working. Stretch forth your hands right here. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for already done. Amen. It's good. It's working. Seeds in the ground. Tell somebody seeds in the ground. I believe God is changing some things. Anyone want God to change a situation in your life, just raise your hands. I want to pray. You don't even have to come to the altar. I'm going to send this prayer out. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We declare and decree that this may be a season of planting, but one day there will be a season of reaping. It is already done. Let there be some roots. Let there be some Davids. Let there be some Caleb's up in here today. We thank you and give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell somebody it's working. It's working. Everything. Ooh. Encourage somebody. It's working. God bless you. Give God another praise for the word of God.